0: And Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Hey, thanks for being with us. It's always a pleasure to have you joining us along with our guests. And today our guest is uh, 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 Acharya Shunya. She's the author of Sovereign Self, Claim Your Inner Joy and Freedom with the Empowering Wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads, and the Bhagavad Gita. And we want to thank you so much for joining us again. This is the second time you've been on the program, and I I love having you here. The first time we had the opportunity to first meet and, and have a wonderful conversation, and I'm going, I have to have this beautiful woman back again to talk about these, these wonderful writings, these ancient wisdom teachings, and her experiences. Thanks again for joining us.
1: Oh, it's always such a wonderful uh, opportunity to chat with you. We always find something deep to dig into. Thank you for having me back.
0: And digging deep is what we do want to do because uh, you have been um, you have been in the depths of the ancient wisdom teachings, of the ancient ways, if you will, and you were born and raised, if you will, uh, in those ancient ways. Now, Would it be inappropriate to refer to you as a yogini or a guruji or what? And again, I'm or master. uh, Is there a is there an appropriate title that befits you? I know that for all of us and myself included, I want to do what I can to stay humble, uh, to Um, to be a servant, and a servant must be humble. That's one of the reasons I have problems with politicians, regardless of country, is they think that they own that position that they've been elected to, and they stay there far longer than they have any business staying. They're supposed to be servants of the people. So let me ask you, uh, what best describes uh, Acharya shunya?
1: While Shunya is my name, Acharya is my title, which comes from one who leads not only through their talking, which can be a lot of bragging, but their life, their lifestyle, their behaviors, uh, put them as a leader of their lineage or a leader of a certain path. And guru guru is something that I am to some people, not all, but that's between me and them. So I don't go about the world saying, call me Guruji, because then that's like assuming that I am the, I am the leader or the spiritual teacher of a certain person. So guru is a word thrown around a lot in the pop culture of spirituality, including like the new, you know, it's, it's, it's an evolution from India and it's taken over the world and there are good gurus and bad gurus and questionable gurus and worthy gurus, but The guru was always a personal relationship between a disciple and the teacher and not a generic title. Acharya was the title that has to be achieved over minimum 12 years of ongoing study under another acharya. And I managed to have 14 years in with my acharya, my teacher. And that's how I became the lineage holder, probably the first... Female
0: lineage holder in a two thousand year old lineage from India. So, Acharya is teacher. Is that right?
1: Acharya is chief teacher. Chief leader. teacher.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Shunya, I will uh, refer to you in that fashion. I was joking around with a dear friend of mine once. We were just chatting, and uh, I said, uh, "Yeah, I, I, I sent off a, a note, an email once, and they uh, they asked me." you know, this question about, you know, my title. And I said, well, um, how about Oracle? Just call me an Oracle. And she got the biggest, and I did too, the biggest laugh out of that. You know, I was like, I'm no Oracle, let me tell you. I'm trying to find answers just like everyone else. So uh, I'm very excited to to, to have the opportunity to, to speak with you again and to encourage our listeners to find out more about who you are. We'll be giving your website here in just a few moments. But, um, let's talk a little bit about um your lineage which is in 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 a fashion it's rather prestigious from maybe the western perspective oh my gosh she's she's the head of a lineage that goes back how many years we
1: have we have traced her ancestry to 2000 years of indian history yeah. wow in india that's that's not abnormal to go back that far
0: right and i mean i suppose one could say from a uh, a standpoint of genetics or DNA ancestry that we all go back thousands and thousands of years back to. If you choose to believe the the uh, uh, the creation story as true, we go back to Adam and Eve. I mean, you know, we all come from that you know that place where wherever that is. Um, let's talk a little bit first of all about that aspect of ancestry. Now, from your perspective from the teachings as we've described in, in the title of the book of the, the Vedas, Upanishads and the Bhagavad Gita. Where where do we as human beings, that particular species on the planet, where do we come from?
1: It's interesting that the Vedas never tried to give us a give us anything to believe in. They didn't give us like, well, um You know, anything that we that's that was believable to some and not believable to some. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was that's probably one of the reasons I really like this approach. They mostly said, We don't know. And I kind of like that. In fact, they said that before everything existed, there was that. And um, even before the gods existed, there was that. And they called it pure consciousness. Which, which breathed without breath. So it was not an anthropomorphic figure that's popular in Hindu gods today. It was more like a consciousness and awareness. And, and, and it feels like this consciousness is shared by all beings wearing different clothes. So it's really one beingness that is present in you, me and all of us of different bodies, colors, cultures, and we are free to have and adore that one that one spiritual cause substance intelligence in the form of any god we please and that's why sometimes the vedic people or the people the hindus hindus which is the religion most closely associated with the vedic wisdom that i teach are sometimes mocked for having like 840 million gods like They couldn't like get their act together, but they said, where is is the sacred consciousness not there? And so there are chants in the original text called the Vedas to say, look at the God in the pebbles, look at the God in the river, look at the God in the ants, look at the God. So it's like sacred consciousness and the seers were drunk with seeing divinity in every eye, but they never really said that, well, this is how you came, but they said, but well, you are trapped in the sense that you're trapped in your own mind, in your own desires and in your own compulsions to lick within. And find that awareness, it's going to give you all the answers. So it's a tradition that makes you seek the answer from within.
0: Mm. Well, that is is very appropriate here in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, as we've been promoting, to encourage people to do just that, to go within, Uh, not only uh, to find the answers to their questions. And I've always made it rather clear that one will go within themselves and find the answers for themselves it's not likely you're going to find answers for your husband your wife your children etc cetera, etc cetera, although you will be guided in ways to uh, uh, relate with them and 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 different paths that you might uh, take uh, uh, you'll find a fork in the road and if you listen to that still small voice it'll tell you eh, go off this way or no, no go off this way uh, and uh, that's really important but also to find the stillness, to find the quiet, to find the peace and and if you will the bliss, I suppose that uh, we're all I think uh, on that internal level we're all craving, aren't we?
1: We are. We are craving essentially a wholeness, and we crave wholeness because we because according to the Vedas we have something to do with wholeness. So they give us hints you crave for peace, because you come from peace, you are peace, Mm -hmm. you crave abundance, like we crave money, and we crave, we crave things and perfumes and scents and clothes, because essentially, we come from infinite abundance. So they say that, yeah, you can wear clothes, and you can get a job, and you can start a family to experience love or the transaction of it, but you are radical love and you are radical abundance. And that's the fun part. And that's what I bring out in my book, Sovereign Self, that uh, the autonomy or the authority of finding what you desire or, or what you crave, as you said, is to be found within. And at some point we have to calm down this grasping behavior in the world or be in it, like I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I have students worldwide and I have things I'm doing. If you look at my calendar, it's really busy even today, <laughs> you know, right after this radio show, I have a couple more things lined up and I'm sure you do too. Mm. But at some point we need to know that that's the outer and and those are the things that keep me occupied, but for my love, self-love, for my fullness, for my wholeness, for my permissions, for my creativity, I have to have a relationship with my own true essence. It's invisible, but it's undeniable. Yeah, And that's where the fun begins. Like a long time ago, when I just knew this theoretically, I was kind of like, I could talk about it, but I was still kind of needy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and needy people put people off. So I couldn't really attract what I wanted. And and a lot of that attraction stuff happens when you're really needy, so you're more like rebelling things. But through this Vedic approach of finding and dwelling in yourself, which is really whole and non-needy, I found that things are just manifesting around me, and I'm still not necessarily overexcited or over I'm like, oh, cool. So it's
0: a cool state of affairs for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I can relate to that too, because my, uh, and, and actually a, a very good example of that, um, as our con, conver- as of our conversation, I, uh, last night I, um, uh, I was thinking about, uh, this, um, uh, this latch that I was going to uh, put onto my wife's greenhouse. We just finished building this beautiful redwood greenhouse. Mm. And, um, uh, we we had there were there were these four uh, left. I don't want to say leftover pieces of wood. Maybe these were what this is what they were designed for. I don't know. All I know is there they were. These little pieces had a little hole in it and so forth. And I thought you know, this might work good as a latch to hold the door closed. Now originally I had bought one of these metal hooks with a, an eye bolt and blah blah blah. Well I still had two of those pieces of wood left, and I thought I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put that together. And it was like it was. Uh, It it just flowed it, you know, and we'd already done it on the outside of the greenhouse to hold the door open. It's one of those double Dutch doors. And so the top halves can stay open and the bottom half closed. And we wanted to make sure that the top half didn't swing closed, you know, with a breeze or something. Not that it would lock or anything, but it would slam into the into the wall. So anyway, I uh, I just went out there and this is one of the aspects of intuition. Of listening to that still small voice or being prompted you in a manner of speaking you have to be in motion you really do and I was in motion I was moving I was I I had the materials in my hand and it was like it things just came together they just happened when I used to produce programs back uh, 35 40 years ago And this was for a Christian radio station. And they would bring in these 45s. They'd bring in cassette. They'd bring all the materials in to create a program. I says, have you timed any of this out? And they would say, no. I said, okay, well, that's fine. Their program was supposed to be maybe 15 minutes, right? So we started to create. We started to put things together. We started to record. And when it was all over, we went back and timed it. It was 15 minutes. I I didn't plan it that way. But again, because I was in motion and I, my intent was to serve the programmer, the client, if you will, the pastor, the minister, whoever it was. And my, in, my focus wasn't on their content. That's their business. OK, my business was to make sure that the message that they wanted to put out there was heard, was understood, and that there were no distractions so that whoever was listening could make up their own mind uh, without being distracted by, say, noises that say, Oh, I don't like this message because I can barely understand it. Yeah. Well, now they've, they've, they, they haven't heard what this person has said. And I think that it's important for us to, to be able to do that. And we mm-hmm. all have, like James Redfield in his book, Celestine Prophecy, talks about how we have messages for each other. But if there are distractions, then people will miss the message or you won't be able to get the message out. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. And this flow or the zone Mm -hmm. or being in movement, like you had the other padlock ready, Mm -hmm. but then you organically intuitively found another way of doing it your way, the soul's way
0: the soul's way and yeah
1: this is yeah this is the exciting part it's like a simple example but it shows that how when we're not tuned in we are scripted yeah and and society tells us that this is what the padlock looks like or this is how you have to fret and fume and put like a program together and stress over the 15 minute or you could be whistling your way through it and finding your way through it and you find that the universe orchestrates it in such a way that you have a beautiful uh, you know lock on your sounds like a beautiful um you know oh, house yeah. like a little red cabin you've created and a beautiful show and and this listening to this inner voice is, is like a big thing now and it's like all over spirituality but this was the path of the vedas this was the path of turning you inwards and finding your inner guru and the outer guru didn't ask you to worship them as God, which is which is like so not, not what the original teachings are about. The outer guru was more like a consultant, a friend who said, I found my inner bliss and peace and bigness and intuition and here's how you can do it too. And here are the teachings that don't box you but help you actually unbox yourself. But not spill all over because you're unboxed and you're, un, you know, but you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're beautifully poised between being in the world and not being in the world.
0: Yeah. Being within you. I think there's yeah. a wonderful biblical phrase, uh, in the world and not of it, as it were. Beautiful. Now, let me ask yes. you, in terms of your book, which I have, I'm holding up to those people watching on YouTube, Sovereign Self, how was the flow with creating this work?
1: Oh, it's been written for me by my soul or by the super soul or or God, you know, Krishna, Jesus, Buddha, <laughs> they all came together. I, I the, it, you know, I've been receiving letters from all over the world saying I had a problem and then I prayed to the book and then I just opened it and it opened to the right page and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I wanted to tell them and I hope they hear it because I can't write all these letters back. But the whole purpose of writing the book was not to make it a bestseller that it is or 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 be like an author. My my desire was this 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 constant prayer that as I have been rescued from my own shadow, from my own doubt, from my own self abandonment in a spiritual sense, may others find something in it. So, it's been written for all people of all cultures, and it's going to strengthen them in their religious path or their agnostic, atheistic path. It doesn't matter because they're going to find something palpably true within them. And as for the flow, I didn't push it. So, it took me three years. I thought I'd be done in a year, but it took me three. I enjoyed the process, and now I've forgotten how I wrote it.
0: I just, you know, it's- which is like, ta- did I write this? <laughs> <Yeah>. like, okay. <laughs> Which, in a manner of speaking, is probably just fine because when you go to write your next book, whenever that will be, uh, you're not going to be hampered by, okay, in the last book, I did it this way. And yeah. you're going to just allow the flow to come. I want to ask you yeah, a little. If
1: my brain was too involved. I'd remember every word, but it was my heart.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's
1: done. It's done. Yeah. Now,
0: this to me is very important. Uh, chapter eight, for example, entitled "Guru," recognizing a true teacher. Now, from a biblical standpoint, it talks about how there are all there will always be false teachers or prophets, etc., etc. How does one? And I have myself not. I haven't been a follower of just one. Okay, kind of like that old Lay's potato chip commercial. You can only eat just one. You can only follow just one, they say. But I am not tied to the messenger, and as the Bahais say, Bahá'u'lláh said, when if you uh, if you uh, um, recognize, if you will, and accept one of the messengers of God, you accept them all. If you reject one of them, you reject them all. And and I would only modify that to to say uh, to refer more to the message. That what I find in my life is. It's not the personality. This is, to me, the problem, especially here in the United States with our politics. We get so tied up with a personality and an an individual uh, that we can't let them go. And there are people who don't want to let certain individuals go and they want to make sure they stay there for year after year after year after year. And it's like, no, 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 no. You go there, you serve and you move on. It's your message. It's your intent. If you will, that's to me what's so, so important. The intent of the messengers, what is your, in chapter eight, as you, as, as that, as I read the title there, uh, how does one begin the process, not only of finding a true teacher, but also of not getting, if I may use the term bogged down in the personality and staying focused on the message.
1: I'm going to answer a great question and I'm going to respond in, in two parts. One part is one teacher versus many. So there is a Vedic, um, there was a Vedic seeker known as Dattatreya. He lived thousands of years ago, but he's mentioned in his stories, mentioned in our literature, which in B- India being pretty ancient, you know, the teachings get conveyed generation to gen- generation orally and in written form. And Dattatreya had 24 gurus. Which included uh, humans, such as a young unmarried girl, a child. He learned from a child. He learned from a dancing girl, which I usually look down upon, like um, in a brothel. Mm. And he found her to be a teacher. Uh, and then he learned from a pigeon, and uh, and he learned from uh, honey gathering bees. So he kept drawing teachings from even earth water air fire sky the five elements and the moon and the sun and the python and so on and on it goes and i talk about these stories I mean, it's not in my book but i talk about it in my other courses and things but in the vedic tradition when when it, when you're looking at the scriptures when you're looking at the deeper teachings of the mind and how to manage your thoughts and how to uh, how to believe in you know how to change your emotions from those that pull you down or those that are delusional to real so that you don't suppress them but then you ascend and experience the emotion of peace and joy too. Then you might want to work with one to three teachers and then you might find that there is one teacher more like a master uh, who can who can be who can teach you academic stuff and and can also help you emotion and mind management like like you would work with a therapist you won't work with five therapists at the same time Mm -hmm. or you would work with one physician to handle your stuff so it's like when you're in the real deep journey and the beautiful part is that the vedas even say that you might not need a physical teacher or one teacher because you may have done that in another lifetime Mm. so they give you all these options but then they do say look Be wary of false teachers, because sometimes the ego can pretend. And even these false teachers are not evil. It's not like they're set out to make a fool out of you. You know, there might be a few con people, Mm -hmm. but a lot of false (laughs) teachers truly believe in their authenticity. They're good intention, but they are deluded by their own ego, which is saying, I'm awake, look at me. I wrote a bestseller and look at me. I have an aura and I have a photo to prove it. You know, it's all good. It's all good intention, except that, (laughs) They, they are kind of anxious at bedtime and they may not lead you home yeah. to your
0: inner being. I, I, and, and I'm going to use this example because I think it's appropriate for what you just what you just said about individuals and the and the the shall we say the false prophets the false teachers. I am not accusing this individual of being a false teacher, but what was so fascinating was that one of his former supporters came out and said um, that. This individual does not lie. He doesn't lie. He doesn't lie because in his world it's the truth. So from his perspective he's not lying. But from ours and many many other people who have different perspectives, no, he's lying. Well, when you start taking a look at it from that individual's perspective of he isn't lying, she isn't lying, It's from their view of the world, from where they are coming from. They believe it. For them, it's true. And when you do that, it almost diffuses, at least I think so, the whole, um, all of that energy around the combativeness. There's another biblical passage uh, that says, uh, resist not evil. In other words, don't resist evil. Now, that doesn't mean you give into it. This is the way I interpret that. Evil is this giant wall, this brick wall. It's as high as you can think of. It's as long on both directions as you can think of. And it goes into the ground as far as you can think of. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. And you can't go through it. So what do you do? You turn around and you walk away. Why expend your energy fighting this wall when you could be doing so many other wonderful things? And I I encourage people, that's one of the things I encourage people to do is to go out, stop fighting and start living your life, finding your life's purpose and putting energies into that. It's like with this greenhouse. uh, uh, You know, I could have told my wife over and over again, no, 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 they're way too expensive. In other words, I could give her every reason in the book not to but I'm going wait a minute this is her dream this is what she wants and I want to help her to fulfill that dream of uh, uh, getting another greenhouse we had one back in Phoenix we couldn't bring it with us and the next thing you know I said I know it's taken a long time I'm just asking you to be patient I'm not saying no okay I'm saying we need to be patient and eventually the universe made a way and voila! here we are without any stress Without any frustration, without any injuries, I might add I might add that. No injuries in the building of the greenhouse. <laughs> but
1: see, that's brilliant what the Bible said. and and the Vedas are echoing something similar because mm-hmm. if you get if you if you get too entangled with fixing the evil, mm. some of it comes on you and you lose your lifetime, this precious humanhood where well, you could be evoking your inner light and your inner growth yeah and so we can be busy pointing fingers and at the same time you know um, a knowledge of the false prophet or the false teacher just enough knowledge to keep you off of harm's way out of harm's way mm-hmm. And, and 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 that is enough. And that's why I dedicated a whole chapter. I'm so proud of my publishers. Sounds true. For insisting I have it in there. And it's written with kindness, more like information, yeah. not like lambasting the evil, because the evil are ignorant and they're doing their own thing, like the wall. And they're going to... They're gonna find their salvation at some point. In the meantime, here's how you can be safe. And if you still wanted to benefit from some teacher, or some tradition, here is how. Mm-hmm. And 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 what does surrender mean? Surrender doesn't mean surrendering your sexual organs to the teacher. Surrendering does not mean surrendering your, uh, you know, esteem. It means surrendering your ignorance. Yeah, <laughs> and being like just like if you were to go to a math professor to learn math, you have to surrender your ignorance. At some point, you have to stop being a know-it-all and learn from the teacher. In the same way, you might wanna just give it a little time to see. Yeah, And the best way is if the teacher makes you more proud of your being and more full or you know, more small, And that's a good way to know, you know, the real
0: teacher. I interviewed a gentleman by the name of John Noe, Christian author, wrote a book called The Apocalypse Conspiracy. And basically, from his perspective, he had felt back, and this was back in the late 80s, that uh, Christendom had been sold a bill of goods. They'd been lied to, basically. And so what he did was he took his Strong's Concordance, and then he took his version of the Bible, And he started going through certain passages that just didn't make any sense to him from what the the ministers and pastors and the commentaries were saying. They just didn't make any sense. And the long and the short of it is, and this is summing up his book, that what he found for himself was that Christianity is not an external process. It's all internal. Yes, it has ramifications for the external world, but as a believer as a follower of that philosophy, it's internal. And as I read his book, and at that time it was the first book I'd been interviewing for a number of years before that, but it was the first one I actually read cover to cover. And I said, you know what? I like what he has to say, but you know, I don't want to be telling people, well John No he said this, and John No he said that. no, no no, no no, Any more than any, you want anybody to say, well, Shunya said this, and Shunya said that, I took, my concordance. And I took my different versions of the Bible. And then I went through his book and I found those passages he researched and I researched them for myself. And I made his information my primary source information. Now, of course, we have to come to some agreement that the the concordance, Bible concordance, and the versions of the Bible that I was looking at we're going to accept for the sake of argument that they're they're OK. They're good. They're authentic, if you will. OK, they're valid, I guess, is the best word to put. And once I've done that, then I can begin the research. And, and, and now that becomes that becomes mine, which I now can share with other people. But I don't want them to say, well, but Richard said this and Richard said that. And Richard said, the no, no, no. I want you to investigate. And I have a feeling you feel the same way that, yes, you wrote this wonderful book. And it's a little thick uh, in one sense, but it's got some great information. But by the same token, you want people. uh, I don't know if you've ever read Stranger in a Strange Land, science fiction story about a man from Mars. Well, there's a word in there. Uh, uh, that I found out, and it's I only found it in that book. And it, the word is is the word is "grok" to "grok," which means, as I interpret it from the book, it means to assimilate into every subatomic particle of your being. So take Sunya's book and whatever resonates with you, and assimilate it. And if it resonates and it's true for you then make it a part of who you are. If it doesn't resonate, don't, don't do anything with it. Right.
1: Um, Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Talk to us about the importance of doing your, don't take the politicians or the ministers or the teachers or whatever authority or your doctor for that matter. His, uh, 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 word is not, if, if you want to use the word gospel I'm not sure what the the breakdown of the the Bhagavad Gita is, as far as that's concerned, book, chapter, verse, uh, as as being true. Test it, check it out. Isn't that what these writings talk about, and even what you talk about?
1: Yes, and 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 what supports me in this endeavor to be to be offering this knowledge to the world is because the Vedas describe what truth really means. And they said, you know, for it to be truth, it has, you know, it can't just be one person's truth. Like, I believe in the truth, and now I just wrote it up, and I'm giving it to you. Mm-hmm. If it's truth, then it has to be a truth for you, too. And it has to be a truth for for all eras and all times. So, for example, when we say walk away from the wall of evil, it's not just like it was pertaining to when, when Jesus spoke those words. Mm-hmm similarly the teachings of krishna why people have found them useful and universal is because they address the beingness the existential pain that all humans have not just you know a couple of people who live on this side of the river yeah and yeah. eat vegetarian cuisine you know <laughs> it's you know or, or, or only have heterosexual relationships mm-hmm. you know it's for all people in all times and it addresses the psyche and how we get, how we get blindsided by our own um, false beliefs in how like our fullness lies outside.
0: Yeah.
1: And so this, that is why I wrote the book and that should be the parameter with which I would like the readers to keep reading because what, what I think is a great truth should kind of talk to them too, otherwise, fold it away
0: <laughs> exactly fold it up and put it in back on a shelf and uh maybe come back later it's what i talk oh, to. it looks
1: pretty it has a red you know it looked nice in your life absolutely
0: hey I, I like it on my bookshelf of course it's yeah. not doing much good just sitting on the bookshelf uh, getting dust on it but uh you know i'll i'll get to it i will eventually you know i mean there are so many classics That I would love to read. I haven't read yet, but I'm so thankful now for Audible. Uh, I'm sure the books were still available when I was listening to them for through recordings for the blind and talking books for the blind uh, back in the 60s, 70s when I was going to school. But with Audible now, I mean, it's a big deal. And uh, I, I have Ulysses on my on my uh, on my uh uh, audible uh, live in my library there i have the course in miracles i have the autobiography of a yogi which is my primer my metaphysical primer that i started reading i think when i was 16 17 years old it started me on my officially started me on my search um I want to talk more about uh, one of the other chapters in here, but first I want to remind our listeners, as I've already shown you the book, and of course you can see it as we are uh, talking here on uh, YouTube, as well as SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, and many other locations, as well as the radio broadcasts on this fine station at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings, uh, and Monday mornings at 1 a.m., that's Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., And we also encourage you to go to our guest website, our guest website today. It is uh, Acharya Shunya, A-C-H-A-R-Y-A-C-H-U-N-Y-A dot com. And you can find out more about how you can access your spiritual birthright, your birthright of freedom, wholeness, and joy through the perennial wisdom of yoga's ancient spiritual texts. Um... I want to talk, I don't want to forget this, but I also don't want to forget what I was just thinking here. I want to talk about chapter 20, Atma Shakti, bringing soul power to relationships. But before I do that, I want to ask you about this concept that in the West, in my perspective, in my my humble, humble opinion, has been distorted. When you talk about accessing your spiritual birthright of freedom— OK, you go on to say wholeness and joy through blah, blah, blah. What is meant? What is this freedom? Is this what we have uh, here in the States uh, in the First Amendment to the Constitution uh, in the Declaration of Independence? Where it says we have life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, these inalienable rights? Or is it something different? It is. um
1: It is close, but it is definitely different because the freedom I'm talking about is a spiritually sourced freedom to be or become what you were meant to be, to change agreements that you may have made with others when you didn't know better, to reclaim yourself in case you scattered your energy, your love, your beliefs away. Um, to 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 untangle from societal conditioning, and if I may say so, even religious dogma. Mm-hmm. To 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 whatever religion you come from, there is the pure part of the religion, and then the dogma mm-hmm. promoted by humans. So you want to pull away from all of that, and re- and that freedom is our birthright to invent and reinvent ourselves, and to change that basic paradigm of um, of not not being able to change because we are either born into or there is karma or there is conditioning or there is expectation and obligations or there is a self-forgetfulness according to the Vedas. And so we feel we're just this body that is of a certain age and there is a mind which is obscured from the light. And so now this is it, this web of, deceits and sorrows and aging and betrayal and death and decay is my life but then this by reading this book and contemplating and meditating and going through those teachings the promise is that say you were to finish the book you would definitely feel lighter and your your relationship with a cup of coffee may change your relationship with a toxic person may change mm-hmm. where you don't have to murder them mm-hmm. or run away from them. <laughs> Please. But you somehow <laughs> are able to not make them have any influence in your life. Yeah. And I have lived this knowledge. I have been through I'm a human. Every teacher is a human first. And so I it took me it took me my 54th year to publish it. Because I, you know, though I became a lineage holder at 24, it took me those extra decades to live this knowledge, share it with the world in my own way where I saw changes and then put it in my book because this is not only ancient knowledge, but like you said just earlier, I had to verify it in the laboratory of my own life, you know? (laughs) I like that. I mean, is the Gita Gita just something handed down to me uh, as a scripture or is it a, a, what it's called a psychology manual for all humans who want to lead conscious lives. So then when I applied those teachings, I became free. So the book is full of examples of my students from the Western world. And, you know, not even Indian, not even Hindu, mm-hmm. not even who've grown up with the Bhagavad Gita, they may have grown up with all other types of expectations and understandings. Yeah. And when they benefited too, I knew that I'm onto something. And the book Sovereign Self was born.
0: Sovereign Self's the title of the book. My guest is Ancharya Uh, Acharya Shunya. Shunya is my guest, and we're talking about her book, and it's uh, having to do with uh, claiming your inner joy and freedom with the empowered wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit here in just a moment about the uh, Atma Shakti. It is bringing soul power to relationships, which you you actually started to allude to there in your description uh, in terms of this whole aspect of freedom. Uh, And it's one of those things that from the Western perspective, and especially here in the United States, I have, and again, my observations, I put this, and I, I, I remind people all the time, I don't put any of this on the rest of society or on anybody else. It's just where I'm coming from today. Tomorrow could change because I'm meeting people like you and others who are I- giving me insights into things that I used to believe I don't, I, I've, I've, I've let those go. Things that I now know that I've let other things that I used to know that didn't make sense. And it was like when I worked for the Christian station, you know, I would ask questions and the answers that I would get didn't make any sense. It's just totally illogical. But one of the things you said in terms of this this self-awareness and and, uh, uh, the truth and what have you uh, is uh, best epitomized by a conversation I had with a, a Christian musician by the name of John Fisher. I, I talk with a lot. No, I'm not going there. Uh, John Fisher. <laughs> and he, he and I were chatting and he was living in New England now. And he grew up in what's called the Jesus movement of the 70s as a kid growing up. And he said that one day, uh, and we were talking about one of his books and, and as well as his music and uh, beautiful voice this man has. And he says, you know, I was sitting here and it was fall and the leaves were turning and they were falling off the trees and, and coming to the ground. And I began to ponder this. And I thought I was so impressed with his pondering. He said, I began to ask myself, is what I believe what I was taught or told to believe or what I truly believe from within that that matches my own individual personal values and mores and ethics, etc.? Because in spite of where we are born, and you would probably attest to this, uh, Shunya, we as individuals always have that, shall we call it an inner compass, that has nothing to do with the outer dogma and doctrine that that is poured upon us as we grow up. That we know intuitively that what they're telling us, doesn't make any sense or no, that's not right. That, that doesn't sound, that doesn't feel right, etc., cetera, et cetera. And he began to question Th- that was the pondering. Is this mine or is this what they told me is mine? And I was so impressed by that. And, and one final thought, and I'll have you expound on this agnosticism to me regardless of whatever philosophy you might be following is the most honest position to take. I don't know the late Larry King, who I tried getting an interview with over and over again. And unfortunately did not, but I loved listening to his radio broadcasts back in the eighties when he would talk people would ask him about his religious beliefs. And he says, I'm an agnostic because I don't know. So let's talk a little bit about that aspect of who we are, what's inside of us, the core that guides us. And sometimes we, we don't listen, we don't feel it, we don't follow it, and we buy into all of these other things that, that come our way.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and that is true. And this inner compass is known in the Vedas and, and Buddhism uh, as Dharma. Mm-hmm. And and Dharma literally doesn't mean religion. It comes from the root Sanskrit word Dri, which means that which sustains you and the entire universe. So there is an inner compass of compassion, love, nonviolence, truth, honesty. The younger looking after the older, wanting and yearning to be part of something real, and 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 supporting that. the The problem begins when the compass is clouded.
0: Mm-hmm
1: and and ethics have become submerged under selfishness and self-centeredness and self-absorption and that is where the role of your podcast or my teaching comes in or and, and like-minded people where we try to we don't say we are going to be the compass for you but we say look here like you say well here are all these teachers or, or I say well here is this tradition it has helped me connect with my inner compass mm-hmm. so traditions and paths and teachers and religions and ultimately all religions I have to say that at a core are trying to remind us of that compass again mm. yes at, at, at their core mm-hmm. um, and this 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 includes all religions yes and and, and so what I want to applaud is the human beings wanting to, honor that compass, uphold it and re-remember it if we've forgotten it. Now, how much dogma comes with it is cultural packaged based on the era and the cosmos and our good or bad luck (laughs) in finding the more authentic source or the right source. But once your inner compass, your inner knowingness has become awakened, then like I mentioned the case of Dattatreya, the trees were teaching him, the moon was teaching him, he didn't need no book. And as your friend said, you know, he sat there with the leaves falling and he wondered which voice to trust. And probably that was the beginning of a U-turn of that soul. Yeah. Um, So it's really beautiful, this this journey
0: that we can have as humans. Yeah. It's one of the things that has always intrigued me excited me and given me hope for the future as i was growing in this particular business of broadcasting back in the 80s and 90s was when i would come across people who would say they would put the label on yes i'm a christian i'm a bible believer i'm an evangelical i'm a pentecostal baptist whatever the whatever the label and then they would share with me their perspective okay They would share with me their observations, their experiences, in some instances, experiences that you couldn't find word for word in the Bible, Old or New Testament, and yet they had them. And I would would never, ever challenge them, saying, well, if it's not in the Bible, that's impossible. You could not have had that experience. Well, the reality is, Oh, yes, you can, because not everything is contained within the the walls of the book, if you will, okay, or in the pages of the book, in the print. Um, And I uh, I even interviewed on this program, Tell Me Your Story, a fundamentalist evangelical Christian gentleman who practices, induces, does this intentionally, out-of-body experience. I says, where in the Bible does it say you can do that? He says, I haven't found it. And I said, have you ever not wanted to come back? He says, no, I just love the experience. It's so, it's so uplifting. It's so exciting. It's so cool, if you will. And I'm just sitting here going, wow, people are in. And that's why I've always, I, I loved reading, for example, the Edgar Casey books as, as, as one example, because here was a Christian who had this philosophy in his conscious ego centered personality And yet he still did the channeling of these messages that we now have in print. Uh, and, And that is what not only gives me hope, but is encouraging for others who are shy, who even are afraid to, quote unquote, come out and share their experiences, even to the extent, Shunya, where they claim that they have been in the presence thereof or uh, abducted by extraterrestrials, as we call them, aliens, if you will. Maybe, or, or, for example, the story of Fatima and Lourdes. I've seen this movie twice now of, of uh, uh, um, uh, Lourdes, uh, Fatima, rather, of the three children. I remember reading the story years ago when I was producing uh, a program called the Radio Family Rosary Program. And what really struck me was the way that the adults treated the children early on until the miracles started to happen and the, and the adults could see what was happening and they realized, oh, the kids weren't lying. They were telling the truth. Truth. Talk to us, if you would, if you can, about your own personal, if uh, a spiritual, uh, or even maybe a better word is mystical experiences have you had those
1: yes i have and fortunately the yogic tradition that i come from um allows for that and and talks about it but i want to share something on what you said it's really fascinating that the vedas kind of turn around and say that if at the end of their life all you're saying is veda 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 is these these um, these like verses, ancient verses of wisdom, of, like the Bhagavad Gita and all their part of the Vedas, then you just know the words, you've not lived it. At some point, you have to get off the boat and swim yourself.
0: <laughs> I like that.
1: And, and, and I really love that permission. <laughs> and so you'll find all these articulate teachers from India who are like chanting away and all that and and i just want to live that one knowledge one verse one word you know so i i chose to not be just oriented by the text but more go into the wisdom and it it itself says don't hold on to the book don't hold on to us because then because this is only um like a instrument you have to we're helping you find you and that goes beyond words and as for mystical experiences, um, uh, I've had a few profound ones, which I'd rather not talk about. But um, um, I don't talk about them because they are so... Yeah.
0: They're personal?
1: Um, I haven't spent time sharing them in the public like some people do and it's their choice Mm -hmm. i chose i have a public persona where i i'm a teacher and an advisor to the government of india on yoga ayurveda and i have a uh, you know and i have students and i teach courses and then i have a yogini inside me that is personal and quiet and withdrawn so Mm. but i can say this much I'm not offended by the question because in fact it's so profound that I haven't still meditated on the words to explain what happened to me and what occurred to me and how I have seen that that there is more to me than just this being. And that I've had non-dual experiences that has left me in a state of love for all beings and all people. Mm-hmm and and And, I want to tell you that I don't know about any labels on you, but I experience your <laughs> universal love. So traditions, um Christian, Vedic, Buddhist, Sikh, Jain, those are just our starting pathways, yeah, but they all lead us to this common space of radical oneness, love, compassion, embrace, acceptance, then, I can recognize a fellow kinship, someone who's there, mm-hmm. you know, and so bows to you too.
0: thank you i and I'm going to phrase it this way only because it's the best way for me to phrase it. I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can with what I've got yeah. and it's one of the things <laughs> and I say this with all due respect to other people who have this philosophy that if in fact uh, on my uh, on my uh, departure from this world, there is a day of judgment, and I stand before. God Almighty, okay. And that were to happen, uh, I would have basically two responses. One would follow the other. Uh, the first response would be, "Hi there, how you doing? Um, you know, uh, um, I did the very best uh, with with the life that uh, I did the very best with the life that you gave me. I am greatly, I'm appreciative. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, however, if I don't measure up. Uh, to whatever standards were there that I should have done, I should have believed, I should have followed, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Well, honestly, there is nothing I can do about that because you're going to do with me what you will. However, part two is, number two is, uh, you are omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. You knew from the very beginning of the creation of the universe that I was going to be living the life I lived. Okay? Now, I'm not talking predestination. We won't go into that. But... When the, in the final analysis of my life as an eternal being, spending it in heaven or hell, as the philosophy teaches, this is on you, God, not on me, because you are the one who set all of this in motion. And again, nothing I can do about it. You're going to do with me what you will. I'm just saying. <laughs> OK, I so I'm just I saying I so love
1: it. I so love it. Uh, and, you know, uh, when I was growing up, I had to deal with a lot of like karma scare. Uh, like You're going to do this. You're going to have that. In. I'm like, no, no, this is not on me. So I'm I'm laughing because I'm so I I found myself bold and tall saying if I mess up, it's me and God messing up. Mm hmm. And if I do something great, it's me and God doing it. So that keeps my ego in check. There you go. And, and and that's that. And so there's been this lightheartedness in being a human who can make mistakes and still not have this like holy shame, you know. Yeah. In that
0: sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I also use this analogy uh, that um, I tell the story like this. Um uh, there is this individual, male or female, doesn't matter. They're walking in this beautiful meadow, blue skies, maybe a few white clouds floating through the skies, but they're walking through this meadow. You hear them muttering, I just wanna do God's will, I just wanna do God's will, I just wanna do God's will. Now, they are walking through this meadow and they have their hands cupped out in front of them, okay? Like, like, Like I'm showing you here on YouTube. And in their hands, if it were possible, they're holding their own personal will. They're holding the will that that they have. I just want to do God's will. I just want to do God's will. And they toss it. They toss it in the air. And it floats up to God. Now, all this time, God is listening. Tears streaming down God's face. Catches their will. All right? And as, as God is emoting, God is compressing their will. Compressing it. Compressing it down to the size of a baseball. And then God rears back and throws a 90-mile-an-hour Nolan Ryan fastball, hits that individual walking in the meadow square in the forehead, and says, then do something with the life I gave you. You are not a puppet on a string being manipulated by forces you do not understand. And it, it is best epitomized by a wonderful saying that I heard years ago, And you, uh, Shunya, would probably know this. You're either pregnant or you're not. You cannot be a little pregnant. Ergo, you cannot be a little responsible for your life. You're either responsible or you're not. It's not. Now, I love what you said. When things go well, it was God and me. When things don't go so well, it was God and me. Because we're in this together. And you and I, we're in this together, right?
1: Yeah. And then the Vedas, the knowledge that I write about, challenge us to then find God in the sky, in the plants, in the trees, but then in your own being. Yeah. And that was tough when you're feeling like you've messed up, or you are, you know, you you don't have it together, or you're you're like royally not doing a good job (laughs) that's all i can say now and and you know and, and then you're responsible for leading your lineage and you're full of doubts yeah and insecurity and then the tradition you are teaching and studying not teaching then but studying is about you're not only you're you you are you are the sleeping god goddess supreme consciousness Uh, you know, more in terms of consciousness, like Mm -hmm. you are, you are, you've got a lot, you're not a little bit pregnant or not pregnant. You are, you have complete freedom to create, maintain and dissolute your life and write your script. And that was like way too much power that I could deal with. (laughs) But then gradually I've grown into it. I've adulted Mm -hmm. and I have understood that even when I'm feeling like really morbid, it's there's an experience of divinity there and 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 just accepting of my dark and light and 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 putting that on a divine, you know divine place within me has allowed me to explore the divine aspects of me, plus the mystical experiences. So you yeah. can say that the that the distance between, Divinity and humanity has reduced in my being. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I know that we actually cannot in this world separate these two elements of self that there's a physical mortal finite timeline of the physical body. But then there is that immortal, infinite timeline, if you will, or no timeline of the essence that animates this physical body. Have you been able to uh, balance those two elements? And in your book, Sovereign Self, have you talked about that aspect of uh, knowing that on the inside you are immortal, on the outside you're mortal, and that you need to connect with that inside in order to make the existence on the outside. I'm not sure if I want to say mean something. Um, people talk about leaving a legacy, for example, how long these interviews stay up on the internet and how long the internet survives after I'm gone, who knows? However, people will have heard these programs just as people will have read your books. People will have listened to other interviews you have done and taken in that information. And then they will have disseminated it through their lives to others. And so in a manner of speaking, you now leave that kind of a a legacy like a drop of water in a still pond and you see the ripples go out. Um,
1: Absolutely. The sovereign self throughout weaves this quest for permanence in a realm of impermanence or what is we look for what is imperishable in the realm that's perishable. Mm -hmm. But then I help people turn around and find that what they are craving for within, because without holding on to that inner certainty, that inner sense of what we call in Sanskrit nitya, that which continues um that which was there before you were in the body that Mm -hmm. which is expressing itself through your body that that which should outlive your body that which is one with the mysteries of this universe and is one with the moon stars and the supreme being then um uh, without that knowledge we can't we just become the role we are leading and we forget the soul that we are and um so part of the book is quite deep because it reminds it's like whispering in your ear i'm like a soul whisperer and i'm constantly reminding humanity anybody who cares to read my book yes these are teachings from the vedas but these are teachings from you know my pen my life Mm -hmm. so it's very easy to assimilate it's not like you're reading a uh, an ancient text it's like you're reading my writings but i but I'm clearly alluding to what was what I found to be true, mm-hmm. and so I even have a chapter on how I was sitting in front of the death body of my favorite uncle who died at age twenty nine and I was hugging onto my mom. I and my sister were like shivering, and we were hugging onto my mom, and it felt like for a moment it felt like I was really safe, except that my mom died next year, and then my sister soon thereafter, oh
0: my goodness, so
1: then. Uh, I was all alone shaking, where do I go until I found that I found all of them through a connection with something immortal. Mm -hmm. And, and, And there I found, so, and actually all these early deaths that I experienced in my life, led me on a quest for the fear of mortality and the fear of death and the fear of loss did hound me for a while there, Richard, because mm-hmm. I experienced all this at a very young age, just one after another circumstantial, the curveballs balls that God throws our way yeah, to ultimately help us find that, that the tennis ball of will is as big as this whole planet. And that I could determine my way and, 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 and find like a very deep resolution and peace, very deep.
0: Mm.
1: So deep that I I lose words to talk about it. Yeah.
0: Well, I also know too that um, regardless of what language it is, a lot is lost in translation. And I think, in, for example, I think of telepathy. And when we uh, are able to telepathically transmit between ourselves uh, and others, uh, there will be nothing lost in translation because I think it's going to be made up more of images and feelings rather than words because words really are incomplete. Um, and and uh, we all have the same emotions. We all experience the same emotions. What's different is our stories, is for example, when you you use the wonderful, I love the the the, the phrase you used. You uh, you have you know you started to uh, uh, experience and utilize some of these these w- great ancient wisdom teachings in your life's laboratory, which I, I think is great. I, I love that. It's it's it's. I think it's wonderful because in a laboratory, uh, you're you're experimenting, and it isn't about getting it right it's about learning through those experiments i'm wondering the difference between success and failure i know we're in a dualistic world but in the reality of uh, the grand scheme of things there is no success and there is no failure there's just there's just learning right right absolutely right
1: this i feel like this 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 planet that we're on is like a school for us mm-hmm. and, um, and, 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 and darkness and light. And, and in some sense, good teachers and false teachers are teaching us something. Yes. And that good and false lives within us too. And it's all teaching us. It's a little more comfortable to learn from light and a little more cruel to learn from darkness. (laughs) But gosh, darkness is a teacher, all right. And, And teaches lasting lessons once we emerge from it. And the Vedas say that you may not emerge from it in one lifetime, but you may have more stories. And that's why there are some people who are like, we're like a little Buddha at age two (laughs) because they've been through the darkness. They have gone to those pubs and, 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 and died there in alcohol stupor in the drains (laughs) they've done it all. And now they're born the little Buddha. So life teaches us. And if we did nothing, we're still held and we are held through this polarity to keep, keep on emerging. Mm. So nobody is really lost. That's the good hopeful news. And, 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 and we are not losing time if we're not moving forward based on society's version of what it means to move forward.
0: That's That's a very good point. I, I think that uh, we could all take a lesson from that that alone. Um, that there is no wasted time. That whatever it is that you are doing is part of what you need to be doing for you right now. If that means resting and doing nothing, then rest and do nothing. And maybe spend some time going within, especially during this decade of of perfect vision, the 2020s, as we've been promoting here on this program. Uh, I can't uh, can't emphasize that enough, how important that is. Uh, I actually found myself, and especially when I'm working alone, but I did experience it when I was working with the two other gentlemen that helped me to build my wife's greenhouse, Um, I, I just felt the flow, uh, I felt the wisdom as it were, uh, that, okay, yes, we had the printed instructions and here's it, here it is in the material world. They're not making a lot of sense. We gotta, we gotta play with this for a while and we would, and eventually we would either figure it out or we would say, you know what? The end result is what's so important. In this in this instance, does it really matter if we if we uh, s- strap the walls together with big bands or uh, 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 or uh, lag bolts or nails or screws or or whatever it is that we choose, so that the this greenhouse functions in the manner that we want it to? so that we can then go to the next level and start growing our own f- vegetables and so on and so forth that will then sustain us. And I have to tell you in that regard, we had a, a, a four by eight garden box out in the yard bef- long before this greenhouse and we, she planted squash. And she was making dinner one evening and the crops were coming up and, and ready to harvest. She said, would you go out to the garden and pick me a squash? And I said, sure, all right. So I went out there, broke it off, took it in would you go get me another? I need, I need one more. I said, okay. So I go back out and I get another one, break it off, take it in. And I have to tell you, there is such a profound feeling of, I don't know, joy of, of completeness <clears throat> in that I am gathering from the ground, from Mother Earth, something that she has nurtured for several months that she has made available for us to nurture nurture us in turn to continue moving forward while listening to the wisdom, while listening to the still small. I mean, it's like, it's just a, a, a never ending cycle. And I just, there was just something about that that was so, that was just so cool.
1: that just those images evoked a sense of
0: peace. Yeah, yeah. So I can hardly wait for the crops to start coming in. I know she's planting some things that won't bear fruit for according to the instructions for two years. <laughs> okay, I'm willing to wait because it's gonna be good. Um, I will share this last item here when I, we had the greenhouse back in Phoenix. <clears throat> uh, she grew she planted and grew strawberries. And, of course, when you'd go into this greenhouse, the air smelled so much different. Oh my God, it was like you know it was sweet and had nothing to do with the strawberries but when i went to, when we went to pick a strawberry off of the vine and eat it straight off the vine, I kid you not; it was like eating strawberry jam. It was already sweet and delicious. So, like I said, I can hardly wait to, uh, to uh, partake of, of what she's going to be growing there. Acharya Shunya is my guest here on the program. Sovereign self, claim your inner joy and freedom with the empowering wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita. Wisdom. I know this sounds, maybe the question has already been answered on the program. Is it wisdom If it is written down, I've heard it said, now this was more about truth, that truth is only truth, and I'll use the word wisdom, is only wisdom until it's written down, because then people start to dissect it and define it and create a doctrine and dogma over it. What are your thoughts in that regard?
1: It's interesting you say that, because the Vedas were orally transmitted for thousands of years, and probably they have been written and on the on palm leaves, and now they're available on you know <laughs> by the press of a button on online on online shopping carts, and then you can just buy them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Shopping platforms. Say, um, I think when they were orally transmitted, they were transmitted carefully, more carefully, from one um, pure master to a pure disciple, and um, and there was uh, we we don't have history of. Uh, pop gurudom and all of that stuff just real people trying to lead a more conscious life and uh, probably by them being written they become subject to interpretation misinterpretation um, dilution appropriation all kinds of things and probably that's why one of my desires has been and there's a lot of like borrowing from the believers and not giving credit to that happens too so I wanted to like write a book that's authentic, but it's 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 always pointing out like this. I've always pointed out what knowledge arose within my soul, kind of on my in my own laboratory, mm-hmm. and what <laughs> part of it has been taken from the Bhagavad Gita and then contemplated and put together, like repackaged. And um, you know, there is always that fear of. Um, of dogma or inauthenticity entering some of this. And that's why some of the teachings from India are sometimes more like magic or spell, or <laughs> here's a mantra to fix you. And I wanted to point out that really this knowledge is, is psychology-based. It's based on consciousness. It's based on human existential potential to go beyond our own beliefs and our own delusions. So probably it's the first book of its kind in the western media that goes into details and and brings something useful for people and yoga is not just physically standing on your head but yoga is actually a psychological journey from our own shadow to our own light mm. and you know the the body the body postures are only part of it that have become so big. Now yoga means twisting and turning, (laughs) but yoga always meant a union, right? What is divine within you? And you do that through looking at your own thoughts, attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors, and sifting through to come up with what is eternal and real versus the ephemeral and the glamorous, but not true. And so um, this is definitely a much more humble, but honest endeavor to represent the teachings from my tradition in an honest light. They really deserve better showcasing. I'm not saying I'm the only teacher who's done it. I'm fortunately surrounded by both Indian and Western colleagues who are doing a good job. And I am one of, my book is one of those. Mm. Just like you are trying to, in, on your show, to bring and highlight the Christian tradition as an inner path, you know, and the inner work um, along with not necessarily judging what others are doing, but here is another way to look at it, or or here is an authentic way to understand. I think there is a movement hum worldwide now where Buddhist scholars, Hindu scholars, um, Christian scholars, um, you know, Zen scholars, we're all trying to like find that universal hope for humanity. Mm-hmm. And 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 not throw the baby with the bath water. And 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 things like that, you know, and really like find something beautiful and eternal. Yeah,
0: your book is available uh, via Audible, as opposed to uh, in it's addition to. It's soon
1: going to be available soon. via Audible. It's we're not done yet with the uh, we're have not we're talking about it, but we're not there yet. But it's just only been recently released on as a hard co- as a hardcover, mm-hmm. uh, and it's available in every bookstore that you can think of online and on-site, if you can pick it up.
0: Yeah, Acharya Shunya, the author of Sovereign Self, once again. It is uh, claiming your inner joy and freedom with the, the empowering wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita. I've actually tried reading a little of each of those, and I think uh, that's one of those situations where you, you just take a little, and set it down and, and ponder that for a while and then take a little more and a little more because sometimes it can be it can be daunting. Uh, whether you whether you're holding the book in your hand or whether you are listening to it because it is also available uh, audibly, uh, it's recorded. Uh, because much of the language, if you will, uh, it's kind of like listening to Shakespeare. You, you have to listen to it a number of times to really get the context of everything. But I tell you what, it's, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program and for coming back a second time. We, uh, I, I love our conversations, and I'm hoping that we can do this again. Um, you know, We can continue this conversation uh, throughout, uh, the, not this, just this year, this decade and, and so forth, because you have so much uh, richness uh, in, in your lineage, in your history, in your background, in your life. Uh, in in the work that you are doing, you also have <clears throat> courses. You have uh, courses that you teach online. Is that correct?
1: That's right. I teach Ayurveda yoga courses and non-dual wisdom courses based on sovereign self. Keeps me busy and happy.
0: You have uh, one in particular area here in regards to courses that's labeled, and I'd love for you to talk just a little about this before we wrap up, free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> People love free stuff. Tell us a little bit about what they can find on your website, acharyashunya.com, where they can can begin the learning process and then move on to getting into some of these courses that you teach.
1: Yeah, the free stuff are sharings from my heart. Like you'll find a booklet on using the humble garden rose for your beauty. You can drink it. You can apply it. So I have remedies and recipes there from my lineage. I have some teachings from Bhagavad Gita that you can pick up some video series that you can sign up for. If you were ever wondered what the Bhagavad Gita is about, then I share its first and second chapter and the second chapter kind of gives um, a full bird's eye view of the entire Gita actually. Mm -hmm. So you're good with that. And I have shared, you know, meditations and audios and all kinds of things very popular you can start with that and if it's hard to spell my name you can also go to awakenedself.com that will also lead you to the same website you thank go. you richard for being such a wonderful and um, listener and, and and your inputs like really led the conversation further no. I,
0: I thank you for those kind words. I thank you for sharing with us here on the program. This is Tell Me Your Story. And again, a reminder, uh, you can go to uh, her website. We will be linked to that website so that you can continue your evolutionary and transformational process, folks. Sovereign Self, once again, is the title of the book. Claim your inner joy and freedom with the powerful wisdoms of the Vedas, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita. Uh, um, And again, uh, Shunya has been my guest here on the program. We encourage you to go to her websites. uh, And Awakened Self uh, is the easy one. Awakenedself.com. AcharyaShunya.com not as easy, but but, uh, again, we're going to be linked and it'll get you there. That link will get you there. All you have to do to go, all you have to do is go to richarddugan.com or on SoundCloud, as you're listening to the interview and you click on her name uh, and so forth, it will take you to her website. We have that set up so that that's what that does. Um, I have uh, three questions. I know that I asked you these three questions the last time we talked, but you know, what I found is sometimes the answers change over time. And I'm going to ask those questions of, before I do a reminder to our listeners first of all thank you for listening and watching on youtube as well as listening on soundcloud itunes tunein radio spotify stitcher player fm blueberry and many other outlets as well as richarddugan.com and also listening uh, at 7am and 7pm on sunday sundays and 1am monday mornings on this fine station and um we uh, hope that you will participate in uh, the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. We also hope that if you can support us financially, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well as ours. And I have to tell you, I am always very grateful. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I'm even astonished uh, at, oh my gosh, I just got a, a, an email from PayPal. You have uh, a contribution. Wow, thank you. Because I know for a lot of folks, money is hard to come by. I know the feeling. (laughs) But I'm also ever so grateful for those who do support. And so a thank you, thank you, thank you to those who have supported us. And a thank you, thank you, thank you to those who will. We'll take energetic support. Send that our way. We will put it to good use. I promise you. Uh, For the final three questions that I love asking my guests each time, usually it's a surprise to them. Uh, so, I'm going to ask you, first of all, who is Shunya?
1: A being who is happy and content with who she is.
0: What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now?
1: People come back and find peace within themselves, and this angst that they feel all the time goes away, and they can enjoy the rest of their time on the planet.
0: And finally, what is your life's purpose?
1: To teach and to live the teaching
0: myself. Once again, I thank you so much, Acharya Shunya, for joining us here on the program. Uh, And I share with you namaste. I also share that with our listeners and viewers. I hope that you will join us again on our next broadcast podcast podcast. Videocast for Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal.